But, but I, I want to read this prayer, and, and this is called the prayer for grace, all right? And I don't know about you, but as we talk about the presence of God, I find myself in need today of grace. Anybody else in here? I don't have it figured out yet, do you? I don't know it all yet, do you? So we're dependent, right? We're in need of some grace today. To get everything God has out of the message time today, we just need grace. And so that's why I want to read this prayer. You guys ready? Lord God, almighty and everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Did you guys like that? You know what's interesting about that? Is that millions of Christians have prayed that same prayer millions of times. And so when we say we're a family, we're not just talking about the people in this room, but we're talking about all disciples of Jesus Christ, both present and past. Amen? So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, I just felt that I wanted to read that. So I thank you guys for indulging me. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read the uh, God's Word translation, whatever translation you have. Uh, it's a, they're all good, okay? In the past, God spoke to our ancestors at many different times and in many different ways through the prophets. In these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. Everybody say, His Son. God made His Son, everybody say His Son, responsible for everything. His Son, you guys got it, is the one through whom God made the universe. His Son is the reflection of God's glory and the exact likeness of God's being. He holds everything together through his powerful words. And after he had cleansed people from their sins, he received the highest position, the one next to the Father in heaven. So God, we thank you for Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. We ask that today that this would be so life-giving, our time spent in your scripture, that we could truly leave here refreshed and reformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So today I want to preach to you from the subject of seeking the Son. I had you guys repeat very often, His Son his son, his son. And as we're talking about the presence of God and our pursuit of the presence of God, I felt that it was important as we talk about the face of God, we have to talk about the face of his son. If you're looking for God, you are in fact looking for Jesus. I'm going to try this side. If you're looking for God, you're looking for Jesus. That's good, right? Yes. Not because it's eloquent, but because it's true. Yeah. All of humanity, for a very long time, 
has been in search of God. They've sought to understand God. They've sought to please God with sacrifices and with altars. They've sought to entertain God or at least receive God's blessing. And so for thousands and thousands of years, humanity has been wrestling with this question, where is God, who is God, and what is God really like? You know, do I need to do this in order to please God? Do I need to do that in order to earn his blessing? Do I need to do this in order to have relationship with God? Who is God? Where is God? What is God really like? And Hebrews chapter 1, Paul here is opening up by declaring to us that God has revealed himself for thousands of years through divinely inspired people, both men and women, known as prophets. How many of you guys know that prophets are still around today? Yeah? People who help us to understand and discern the character and the nature of God. For thousands of years, this is the way that God chose to reveal himself to humanity. It was through prophets. But Paul also wrote something very important for us to remember in 1 Corinthians 13 and 9. It says, we don't know everything. And our prophecies are not complete. How many of you guys are thankful for that? How many of you guys that have received a bad prophecy in your past are thankful for that? Right? You may remember another translation of this verse that says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Nobody, there is not one sinful human being that has a corner on the market on truth. Right? I mean, we all do our best. We, we uh, you know, we grasp uh, through uh, you know, confusion and misunderstanding and study and, and prayer and all those things uh, to do our best to articulate God to humanity. But what the scriptures declare to us is that nothing has given us a more clear, a more comprehensive image of who God is and what God is really like, like Jesus. Are you thankful for that? Yes. That the confusion has been cleared up. Verse 3 says... That his son, right, is the reflection. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the reflection of God's glory and the exact, key word, everybody say exact. exact. Likeness of God's being. We didn't know what God was like for a long time, but now we know. God is exactly like Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say. If you are wondering what God is like, all you have to do is open up to the Gospels and have an encounter with Jesus. Because any of your questions have answers as we look at the character, as we look at the nature, as we look at the personality of the Son, Jesus Christ. Aren't you guys thankful that the questions have been answered? Are you thankful that the confusion has been cleared up? That for thousands of years, humanity scratched their head wondering what God was really like, and yet he sent his own son in the form of a man to say, oh, this is what he's really like. This is what God's really like. He's like, Jesus, we didn't always know this, but we know it now that God is really like Jesus. You know, Bill Johnson, a pastor in Redding, California, once said, anything that you think you know about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. That's good. Amen. Shall, shall I read it again? It's good, right? Anything you think you know about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. That's so good. That, 
threw me for a loop the first time that I heard it. And now it's almost become kind of a benchmark in the way that I understand my circumstances. Because according to my circumstances, they would prophesy to me a different message, right? God is not really good. God doesn't really care about you. I know you can intellectually agree with someone when they preach that God is good, but in real time, God is not really good to you. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And so the the goodness of God becomes something we shout about, but not something that we experience, Right? If we're honest with ourselves, it's like, yeah, yeah, God is good, man. I got a new job. God is good. Got a pay raise. God is good. I found a girlfriend. God is good. You know? And sometimes I'm like, but I don't think that was God. Because <laughs> he doesn't he didn't really seem like a, a godly uh, type of guy. I hadn't seen you in church for six weeks. Hey. Yeah, okay. <laughs> JK. So here's the question. What, 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 what was Jesus like, right? I mean, when you, when, you, when, you, when you say this, when you say, okay, anything you believe, out, believe about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. What, what, what was Jesus like? I mean, Jesus, Jesus was a pretty cool guy. I think that we could all agree with that. I would like to spend some time with Jesus. How about you guys? I would like to spend some time getting to know him and hanging out with him. And I would really like to go to weddings with Jesus and parties with Jesus because the Bible says about him that he was anointed with the oil of gladness far above his community. That means Jesus was the life of the party. Like you couldn't take Jesus anywhere. Jesus would always bring the joy. Jesus always brought the life. Jesus always brought the party. It was like, you know, depressive and doldrums and Jesus would step in and all of a sudden the atmosphere would have to shift right that's what Jesus was really like man I think that's pretty awesome I love that about Jesus man we could we could sit here all day with a whiteboard and we would run out of space making a list of all the things that Jesus was like we would say he's good man he's faithful he's merciful he's kind he's loving I mean come on we got the nine fruits of the spirit right we could list all those there and we could write that and we flip the whiteboard over and then we could spend all day here talking about all the characteristics of our of our glorious savior the son of God Jesus Christ couldn't we guys He's amazing, right? But if we had to, you know, erase the whiteboard on both sides and write one word in the middle of it to summarize his character, if we had to take one word and summarize the nature of Jesus Christ, and if we ask ourselves, what was Jesus really like, but we only had one fill-in-the-blank response opportunity, I think that the one word that we would be able to use is we're able to write, he's good. He is good. Yeah. Stephen grew up in church. God is all the time. Let's try it out. God is good all the time. It seems like you guys have done that a couple of times. You guys remember that, right? It, it was a great bumper sticker. It's an awesome thing to write in your journal. It's a wonderful catchphrase to use, you know, as Christians. But, um, you know, if you say that publicly, I can promise you that a debate will accompany your confession. 
Because people are confused about whether or not God is really good. See, we believe it theologically. We mentally assent to the reality that God is good. But we oftentimes wonder, is God really good? Because I've examined my circumstances, and I don't think that he's actually been good to me in real time. You guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, try it right now. Go to your newsfeed, post it on Facebook. God is good, and just see what you get. Because people will argue with you, and here's the thing. They will argue with you with Scripture, right? And so there are a lot of people who are going to try and prove that God is not actually good uh, by pointing at current issues that are going on in the world today that are very bad. But God didn't tell us to define the goodness of God by the storms going on in the world but by his son that he sent into the world. And he said, if you want to know what I'm like, look at him, not at that. And you can try to build an argument on a difference of opinion, even using the Old Testament. Man, how, how can God, you know, how can God really be good? I mean, look in the Old Testament here. There's these passages where it says that, like, God took a bunch of people out, you know. But in the New Covenant, God doesn't say, hey, Look at these stories to define my goodness by. What I want you to do is look at my son and define my goodness by that because there were prophets and there were people who were divinely inspired to give you pictures, portions of an image that was God. But it was not until I sent my son, Jesus Christ, for humanity to experience did we get a crystal clear whole image of what God is really like, which is like God. Jesus. That is what God is like. He is like Jesus, and here's the good news. He's good. Hebrews 1 and 3 says, His Son is the exact likeness of God's being. This is how we know that despite the arguments that God has always been good, we look at Jesus. And it's the truth, isn't it? I mean, we all read the same scriptures, right? We go through the New Testament, read through the Gospels. And how many, how many times in the Gospels did a sick, uh, depressed person uh, approach Jesus for a miracle and left disappointed? When did that happen? Right? It never happened, right? There was never a moment in the scriptures when somebody came to Jesus for healing and Jesus was like, God is trying to teach you a lesson. You know what I mean? There's never a time that a demoniac, you know, somebody who's possessed by demons comes to Jesus and he says to them, it is not, it's not my timing for you to be free, my son. Right? There, there's never a time that somebody is on their deathbed and, and they're brought to Jesus for healing. And Jesus says, sorry, this person is this way uh, because of their choices. Right, that never happens, right? Like Jesus, you never see Jesus blessing storms, right? But we, we use all of these statements, you know, to try and uh, spiritualize our theological dysfunctions in that we say that God is good, but we don't really believe it, so we have to create excuses, right? Well, it's just not his timing, you know. Well, it's just the result of your choices. Well, thank God that he is bigger and better than my choices. You know what I'm saying? 
Thank God that he is way more good than my decisions or my timing or my discernment or my wisdom on how to make choices in my life. That God is so good that he goes above and beyond all of those things. He says, bring it here. Come in. I'm for you. I'm with you. Even when you thought I was against you, look at me. I'm on the cross. There's no greater moment in all of history. There'll never be a greater moment in all of history that we could define God's nature like Jesus on the Mount of Golgotha 2,000 years ago being stretched wide, hung up for us. If you want to know what God is like, you just look at the cross. That he loved you so much that he spared no expense to redeem you. No matter your filth, no matter your journey, no matter your timing, no matter your sickness, this is what God has always been like. He's been like Jesus. And that's the gospel. This is, this is a good news. Would you guys agree? You know, but, but whenever Jesus came, man, it wasn't that, uh, you know, people expected that. You know, they didn't expect Jesus to be that good. They expected Jesus to be judgy. You know what I'm saying? They expected Jesus to defend their perspective or their point of view or their political uh, ideologies. They, he, they expected Jesus to defend them because, bless God, they were right. You know what I'm saying? But what Jesus did is that Jesus just came in in a different way of life. He came in love where there was division. And Jesus didn't just live differently than everybody's common understanding of God. Jesus lived in direct contradiction to everybody's understanding of God. He's like, no, no, I'm not just confusing what you think I'm like. I'm living in direct contradiction to what you think I'm like. <laughs> You thought, I was, you thought I was angry. You thought I was, you know, hurtful. You, you thought I was, you know, judgmental. And I'm not saying God's not a righteous judge. But before we start, you know, trying to develop an image about how God really isn't good, you got to listen to the word and look at Jesus and see that there's never a moment where you could say that he was not insanely, perfectly good. Could we all agree with that? So here's my question for you. I, I think, I know we agree with it. I, I think it's one of those things that we love to agree with. I mean, after all, come on, we are so grateful that our God is this good. Because it makes space for everybody to get in. You know what I mean? That even when you don't perform or do well, like he still receives you. Isn't that awesome? And we're happy about that, aren't we? We could do some laps. You're right? You're, anybody down? <laughs> Right? We could jump and shout about this. But, but let me ask you a question. So, like, if God is this good, right, why don't you spend any time with him? Right? Like, just, just let's just have an honest conversation for a minute. Like, we're having coffee. Like, if God is that good, like, why don't you trust him? Like, why don't you, why don't you get into his presence? Like, why don't you sit with him? longer than how long it takes for you to pray for a parking spot at the mall. Like, why, like, you know, why don't we prioritize, you know, getting in the presence of God and sitting face to face with Jesus and listening? You know, you guys know prayer is not just talking, right? But sometimes we just talk, 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 and we just bombard, you know, this is wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. Well, if you would sit long enough to listen for a response, you'll get solutions. 
right? But it's like, man, I'm just talking to God. I'm talking to God. I'm talk- you know, a prayer is a conversation. You know what I'm saying? It's not just a religious activity. It's actually where you listen and you, you, you go deeper with God. And so it's easy for us to jump and shout and scream and celebrate about how good God, good God is. I do that too, man. Every, every day, every day that I, you know, that I can, you know, but we have to be confronted by reality. If God is this good, then why are we so disconnected from him? You know, if God is that good, why don't we worship him on any days aside from Sunday? If God is that good, why don't we open the Bible on any day aside from Sunday morning? Like you guys get what I'm saying here? Like I, I realize it's a look, it's kind of real, You know, but I've been reading these statistics and these polls that have gone out and so many Christians in our context, right? We don't actually read the Bible. We don't actually spend time in prayer. We don't actually really love our neighbor. We don't actually really do all these things, but we're okay because we're like, God's good all the time. You know what I'm saying? And and the thing is, is that the, the, the world doesn't need a slogan. You know, they need a son. Right? That's what they need. More than anything else, they need Jesus. Amen? Yes. And he's good. Amen? Amen. So this is, this is the question I have for you today. It's a very simple sort of setup, all right? Like if he's so good, why don't we spend more time with him? That's a question I had on my prayer walk this week, and I do a couple walks during the week, and, and I was like, God, man, forgive me if I've taken advantage of your goodness. Because so oftentimes I don't pray because I'm like, oh, well, God understands. He's good. And I feel like the Lord's like, well, if I'm so good, why don't you pray anyway? Because your life will get so much better. You know what I'm saying? Because you're like, well, you understand. It's like, well, why not pray? Because the circumstance that makes you not want to pray is the circumstance I'll upgrade if you do. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So that's just something I've been thinking about. This is something I've been thinking about. You know, I was, I, was, I was thinking about I was thinking about seeking God, and I started thinking about another time when I, you know, really, you know, had it in my heart to to seek someone, and 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 to be honest, that was when I met my wife. Yeah, you know, a very interesting journey. My wife didn't really like me at first. You know, she uh, she was resisting my goodness. <laughs> you know but but you know actually funny enough like when we first planted what is this church legacy nashville we were in a we were in a house and the very first like church meeting we ever did she actually was there she came home for christmas break she was living in redding california at the time and we met and uh and i was you know kind of like low-key flirting with her, you know, not high key, you know what I'm saying? Not like, oh, can I get your number? Can I have it? Can I have, you know, it wasn't like that. It was like, you know what I mean? It was more like, like, hey, what's up? Like, you know, you know, tell me about your life and like what's going on. And she wasn't really like engaging with me very well, which was frustrating me on the inside. So I was trying to pull out any tricks that I had to get her to engage with me. And I was like, well, you know, when are you moving back to Nashville? Because I'm, I'd like to know when you're coming back. And, uh, and she was like, four years. And I was like, oh. You know what I'm saying? Four years. I was like, four years? I was like, man, that's crazy. Four years? How am I ever going to, you know, talk to her? 
I don't, I don't know how that's ever going to work out. So instead of seeking after, you know, I paused the pursuit and I settled for stalking instead. <laughs> and uh, you guys know what I'm talking about? So I followed her on, on the gram and, uh, and I, I befriended her on Facebook and I even found an old Tumblr blog she had when she was like 14. <laughs> and I read that. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? When you start, when you start stalking, now I know you're not going to admit it because you're in church, but you're stalking. You know, you've gone back to the old Facebook album, you know, like when, when Facebook first came out, you know, and, and my wife was like 11, you know. <laughs> and, you know, you look at all those pictures and you read all the captions, man, word for word, because you're like, whoa, you know, I'm so thirsty right now. Like, I'm just like... <laughs> And then I know you guys, guys you, know, you guys are not going to admit this, but guys, we do the same thing as girls, and we start developing these fantasies in our head about, like, what life is going to be like when we get married. And because she was so young when Facebook came out, I was like, our kids will probably look like that. You know? You know, and so I was just, I was, I was looking through, you know, looking through Instagram, and, and, and I was just like, I was so enjoying it, reading all the captions. And here's the thing I realized is, like, Man, I learned so much about her, you know, like so much. Like I knew what she liked. I knew what she didn't like, you know. I learned a ton about her character, you know. I watched how she interacted with her friends and who she celebrated and how she loved church and how she did life with Jesus. I learned so much about her nature. And at the end of the day, once the stalking was complete, here's what I knew. I was like, she's good. She's real good. But how many of you guys know that you can observe somebody from a distance and learn so much about them? You can observe somebody for enough time from a distance, and you can even have friends of friends that are friends with them, and you can name drop them. And people are like, oh, you know them? And you're like, well, I don't really know, but I, they're like a friend of a friend of a friend that babysit for their uncle once. And... <laughs> How many of you guys understand what I'm trying to get at? Information about somebody is not intimacy with somebody. But so oftentimes we settle for stalking God by reading other people's posts about him rather than having our own intimate fellowship with God that has been freely offered to us by his son who went to great lengths to ensure that it didn't cost you any money. That it was offered to you for free. That you didn't even have to go through another person who wore a robe and a turban or a clergy collar or had the title pastor. That you didn't even have to go and talk to those people if you wanted to talk to God yourself. Like his son made a way and he's like, hey, if you're waiting on somebody else to define me for you, let me go ahead and define myself for all of humanity. Look at Jesus. He is good. And Jesus doesn't want you to just seek him from a distance. With God, distance simply will not do. 
That's why, that's why you're here today. You may have thought that you're here pursuing God, but the truth is God is pursuing you. That by his grace, he brought you into this place so that he could connect with your heart, so that he could love on you and shower you with refreshment, so that he could speak truth to you, not because you're so great and you love him so much, but because he's so great and he loves you so much that he marked this day on his calendar before you were ever even born and said on this day, right here, in this place, in that chair, with them, with that haircut that they'll regret later, on I circled that on my calendar because I love them that much and I'm going to the cross for that day and I'm, I'm, I'm walking and carrying my cross for that moment and for that hour when they let my goodness hit their heart in such a way that it melts all of their walls and grace crashes in long enough for them to know that they are loved Despite what they've done and despite what they ever will do, they will know me and know that I am good. We got to move from stalking to seeking. Now, when I first started uh, stalking Allison, I, I did it from a distance. I didn't even like all the photos. You know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm talking about. You don't like all the photos, especially the ones like, 122 weeks ago, you ever accidentally tripped up and double tapped one of those guys, like trying to get through? It's a tough moment, because they know you're deep in that feed, and they're like, weird. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? But, but I, I didn't do that. I was just, I was stalking her because really one, one reason, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, because I had fear. Because I, I felt afraid. You know what I was afraid of? I was afraid that she might reject me because I'd already felt rejected by her at the house church meeting. You know what I mean? But that was what drew me to her because I was like, oh, I'm going after her. She knows who she is. She's a strong woman of God. You know what I'm saying? And I need somebody like that. I need somebody who's going to wake up at three in the morning and pray in tongues over me when I had a bad dream. So y'all ain't going to get with me on that. But I I need a fierce, aggressive woman of God that's going to be like, oh, those people are gossiping about you. Well, let me hit them up on Twitter. I got something to say. I'm like, no, don't respond. Don't respond. Oh, they're going to go talk about my husband like that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I want somebody that's going to go to war with me, man. I want to go to somebody who's not inconvenienced by me being weird because I'm, you know, getting with God. You know, I, I need somebody who's going to tolerate the fact that I want to, you know, quote scripture in the house and, you know, raise our kids in, in such a way that's biblically based. And, right? That's what I'm talking about. Like, you need somebody like that. Like, who does the healthy version of you choose? That's what you got to ask yourself when you're pursuing somebody. Right? Who does the healthy version? I'm not interested in the version you're portraying. (laughs) I'm talking about. Right? Who does the healthy version of you choose? You know what I mean? And this is what I knew. Man, the healthy version of me chooses this woman. Because she's about to turn me into a superhero. 
And that's how you know you found your spouse. Man, they make me want to be better. (laughs) Right? They're going to hold me accountable to what I tell them that God tells me. For those of you guys got a spouse like that, say, it's a word, man. (laughs) It's a word. Because sometimes you regret telling your spouse that God told you to do something. You're like, man, God told me to do this great thing. And then like three months later, like, what about that great thing, though? <laughs> when you going to get on that? Huh? When you going to stop playing video games and do that? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's getting too real in here. It's getting hot. It's getting hot. But that's, that's how you know you found the one, right? But I was afraid, honestly. I really was. I was afraid that she might reject me. I was afraid that she'd be like, nah, I'm good. Ew. You know what I mean? Like, that, she would, that all I would get in return to my pursuit would be a red receipt. You know what I'm saying? Red, all right. No response. Nothing, you know. And I thought, man, like, what if, what if she rejects me? What if, what if, like, you know, my past? Like, she, I've, I've stalked her long enough to know she's good. Like, she's a good girl. Like, she's kept herself. Like, she's, kept, she's been protected by God. She's done all these great. Look at, man, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I've done a lot of stuff in my life, man. I don't have the same story. Like, she's probably too good for me. Like, she's probably going to reject me. You know what I mean? And then the second thing was, then this is going to mean something for me if I start to pursue this girl because what if she receives me and then I have to pursue her from Nashville because she is in a committed situation with her school of ministry and she lives the entire country away. And I am here pioneering a church plant with my friends. It's not exactly something that you can say, time out. I'm going to take a break from church planning to pursue this woman, right? It's like I got to keep doing both at the same time, and this is going to cost me something if I pursue her. I'm a missionary. I filed taxes on $4,000 last year. I can't afford plane tickets. I'm eating peanut butter and jelly. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to cost me something. I don't think I got that money. You know what I mean? Like, all my money goes to shoes, and now all my money's about to go... You know, all my money's going to have to go to her and I'm going to have to save up so I can take her on dates and pretend like I got it like that. Some of you are in that season right now and that's why it's funny. Yeah, no stress, girl. No stress, girl. And all the while you got your Bank of America account chicken trying to transfer funds. Yeah, I got you on that latte. Single shot. Single shot. No, she ain't getting no double shot. But I got you, though. I got, no, don't put no extra syrup. No extra syrup. <laughs> Shh, it's just a single shot. That's it. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So I was like, man, this is going to cost me something. I'm going to have to give some stuff up. I'm going to have to change. I, I'm going to have to stop doing things that I used to do. I'm going to have to, you know, man up, grow up. Right? And all the women of God in here. If a man is not willing to grow up to pursue you, they ain't the one. They're not the one. They're not the one. (laughs) 
so here's the thing. I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to discontinue the stalking and I'm going to chalk it up as an L. It's a loss. I'm never going to see her again. And if I do, you know, I'm sure we'll be friends or whatever, but I just don't think I can do it. I don't think I can deal with the rejection and I don't think I can deal with the challenge. I mean, it's just too much. It's too much to consider. So I'm good. I am good. And then one day, one of my friends was thumbing through Instagram, and she was a part of the house church as well, and she ran across a picture of Allison. She had changed her profile picture, and she thought to herself, you know, this is the type of girl that Lyle should pursue. Pretty random, right? Or the Lord. And uh, I came over. I came over for lunch a few days later, and she had set me up. Because she brought one of my friends in who was a missionary who I'd been friends with for quite some time who I really trusted. And they opened up Instagram on the iPad and they, they scrolled to that picture and they were like, hey, we just want to bring your attention. <laughs> this is a true story. To this girl right here. Do you know her? I'm like, busted, man, busted. I'm like, yeah. And they said, well, we just feel that we would like to impress upon you. That you need to seek this girl with your whole heart because I think that you have something for her. You know, you mentioned somebody to us the other day, but you didn't tell us their name. And we think it's her because she came to the house church meeting like a month ago. And we just felt something. And, you know, we think it's God. And we just say that you need to pursue her with your whole heart. And you need to stop stalking. And you need to start seeking. And so I pulled up Facebook right away, and I sent a message. And, I, and it wasn't just a direct message as in a DM. It was direct. I mean, I was direct. I was like, hey, listen, I like you. You are good. Um, you, you look good. You, you are good. I think you and I, we could be good together. And... And I, I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm going to shoot it to you straight. I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to get vulnerable and courageous. You might leave me unread, but here's the thing. Like, I just trust and believe that if I put my love out there like that, that you're not going to reject me, that you're going to receive me. And I know you might challenge me, and I know I may have to go to Reading once a month, which I did. Amen. Flew out every month, which I did. Right? And you know what? For at least... 36 hours, she left me on red. And I got mad. I was like, I ain't talking to her no more. And then she responded back. I was like, I'm back. I'm in. I'm in again. I was just playing. I was just playing. I didn't mean that, y'all. I was just kidding, y'all. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Just playing. Right? I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not just stalking anymore. I'm seeking now. And I sent her some flowers on Valentine's Day with an embossed letterhead. I went and had those made up because I wanted her to know that it wasn't a boy seeking her. It was a man. I'm like, I got an embossed letterhead. She had a mission trip, and I sewed into it with, you know, I had a missionary organization, and I didn't even donate anonymously. That's right. I see you going to the nations, girl. I'm about that life. <laughs> I'm about that life. I didn't, I didn't tell her it came from the organization, but I sewed into it. 
sewed into it. Yeah, here's the thing, right? Yeah, here's the thing, is that I think, honestly, like, we're having fun, right, talking about pursuing a person, right? But I think that the reason why we don't pursue people is the same reasons why we don't pursue God. Ultimately, in the same way that we wrote good on the whiteboard earlier, erase that, we write fear on the whiteboard now. The reason why we don't pursue God is a fear of two things. Number one is the fear of rejection. Man, I've just been too bad. I'm just too messed up. My past has just become, you know, way too yucky. And there's no way that he's going to receive me. I get that he's good to other people, but they haven't done what I've done. They haven't been where I've been. They haven't stepped through what I've stepped through. There's no way that God would accept me. He's definitely going to reject me. And then on the other hand, it's not just the fear of rejection, but it's the fear of challenge. Well, I'm afraid to pursue God because he may ask me to change. He may ask me to do life differently. He may ask me to choose different relationships. He may ask me to choose a different career path. He may ask me to be a missionary. He may ask me to tithe. And I can't do that, God. I can't deal with the challenges. So instead of actually seeking you, I'm just going to hear words about you through other people's postings and be satisfied with stalking. And when I hear somebody say, well, God is good, I'll be like all the time. But I've never actually had a real intimate encounter with the goodness of God myself. And that's where I want you guys to know God wants to upgrade you today. He wants to give you a real encounter because he, he has not made a way for you to seek him from a safe distance. He wants to have a close-up, intimate encounter relationship with you that happens daily. Yeah. Let me read a scripture to you guys. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, So we can go confidently to the throne of God's kindness. You see that? They talk about the throne of God as being the throne of kindness. Are you serious? The throne of God is the throne of kindness where we go to receive mercy and to find kindness which will help us at the right time. You don't have to be afraid that God will reject you because the truth says that if you go to God, here's what you're going to get instead of the rejection you may expect. Mercy kindness and help mercy kindness and help and here's the thing man God is going to challenge you he's not going to reject you you're not going to receive that but here's what I can guarantee that if you're going to seek God there will be challenges involved but here's the thing I loved I loved and I learned really about pursuing my wife when she lived in Reading is that when you're in love costs are irrelevant when you're in love, it, you know, I can go without a fresh pair of shoes for a few months to get that plane ticket. You know, Asaph and Kristen, they just got back from their honeymoon, and they, they told a story at their wedding. Asaph literally ate rice and beans so that he could afford to go and hang out with her. He, remember those, he remembers those days because, you know what? I bet it was not very fun when you had to eat that rice and beans, Asif. I bet that wasn't very fun. I ate a lot in Mozambique. 
you know, you ate it so consistently, and at first you'd be like, I can do this, but seven, ten days in, you were thinking, man, this is, this is like getting pretty challenging. You know what I guarantee that, that Asaph did not think about on his honeymoon was how challenging those rice and beans were. He wasn't thinking about that. I promise you, on his honeymoon, he was thinking about his bride. He was thinking about the joy of the connection in his heart with his bride's heart. And he was thinking about the joy of the reality that the word of God says that the marriage bed is undefiled. Hallelujah. I had had to. Here's the reality. When you're in love, costs are no longer relevant. Jesus will challenge you. I can guarantee you that he's going to challenge you. But here's the thing. The cost are not worthy to be compared to the joy of connection. Because if you get God in return, the cost are not worthy to be considered. This is the sweetest deal ever offered to humanity. You offer yourself and you get a good God in return. Are you serious? You offer more of yourself and in return you get more of a good God? Are you serious? How could this deal get any sweeter? And yet this is what God offers us. This is what God gives us. The enemy is sure to remind you of the temporary things that you'll need to give up for connection with God. But God is sure to remind you of the eternal things that you will receive by connecting with God. And they are grace and mercy and kindness and help and joy and connection and things that you're going to be doing forever, not just for the next couple of months. If we're going to pursue God, we're going to pursue Jesus. And the moral of the story today is is that Jesus really is as good as he says he is. God is really way better than we thought he was. And because we're dialed into that reality, we're fully given and dependent upon his presence. He's never going to reject us. Every challenge is worth it. We don't have it all figured out. We're completely dependent upon his mercy. And therefore, we give ourselves to him. Here's the truth, guys. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So we're going to do one chorus of worship as we're closing today. And as we do that, I want to say that this is, this is us. You guys watch that show? It's emotional. But you know what? Relationships are emotional. So, you know what I'm saying? Why is our relationship with God so sterile sometimes? I do these things. I, I get these things. I do A and I get B. And I do B and then I get C. And then I put in this coin and out comes this reward. And I... You know, it's okay to get emotional about God. It's okay to admit the fact that you don't have it figured out because the people who admitted that they didn't know what they were doing were the ones who set themselves up for encounters with Jesus in the scripture. 
It was the people who were like, I know everything there is to know about God that entirely missed the goodness of God in Jesus Christ because of their being stuck up, having it all figured out. All these people who had previously been the voice for the people on behalf of God missed it. They were scripturally prepared. They had studied it up quite a bit and they missed it. And yet the people who received an encounter, the people who participated in the presence, the people who received the goodness of God through Jesus Christ were harlots, prostitutes, stargazers, tax collectors, people who culture had disqualified and religion had forgotten about. And yet the goodness of God was received by those people because they said, over here, I don't got it figured out, but I know I need it. And I'm afraid of rejection. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm afraid of the challenge, but I know you're good. You're not real safe, but I know you're good and you're not an idol. So I can't put you in my pocket and pretend that everything's going to be okay by giving you lip service. But I do know that you're good and so that's given me enough to say here I am go ahead take your pursuit of your bride hey look God don't have a crush on you he's made a covenant with you right God don't have a crush on you he's already made a covenant with you before you even said I do before you were knit together in your mother's womb by the perfect hand of the Almighty, God had already committed himself completely to you in covenant. He had already had your ring on his finger before you had the opportunity to breathe a breath. We cannot stalk God like a crush. We got to embrace him like a bridegroom. You guys with it? Well, here's the life-giving statement for the week. Every, every week we're going to do a life-giving statement throughout the series. Here's the life-giving statement for the week. We have come together to seek and to share a good God. 